This morning, uh, we're going to continue to talk about encountering evil. And we're going to talk about the occult exposed and, and just kind of paint a picture as to what the occult is. And this morning, if you do have your, your, your Uversion app up, it'd be a good day to use it just because <clears throat> if some of you are there already, you've probably already scrolled through and said there's no way he's going to get through all these scriptures. Uh, I probably won't get through every single one of them, but there's just so many scripture references. Uh, it's going to be hard for you to follow along with in your Bible. So I would encourage you to write down the scripture references as we go so that you can go back and look over them, mark them in your Bible. Um, with the increase of the occult in our culture, uh, these are good references to have. It's a, it's a good uh, weapon for us to use today. You say, Pastor, why are you talking about this? As a reminder, last week we began this series talking about encountering evil, and Ephesians 5, 15, and 16 say, says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. We learned last week that we have much in common with Ephesus, and we kind of paralleled their culture and ours and, and looked at it in light of the spiritual activity and, and, and the church being religious and, and not having relationship, and, uh, and then going into the fact that the occult will take over. Listen, church, I, this worship service that we had this morning is vital. Okay, It is vital for us to maintain an attitude as, as a body of Christ, as believers, for our young people to know and understand that the God we serve is, is a living God that's interactive and wants to have relationship with them. Because when we don't have that, if we, if we have religion without relationship, if we have dead religion with rituals and things without relationship, a God that speaks, a God that confronts, a God that challenges us, people will always run to the occult. Always. Because they're looking for something living. They're looking for something active. And the spiritual activity that is around us is real. And where man resists God moving in a service, in, in, in God's presence, in a church... The enemy is more than happy to show them spiritual movement in other things. And I guarantee you that the Wiccans and the Warlocks and the Pagans, and you want to name it all about the occult, they will not resist the moving of any kind of spiritual activity in their presence because it's attractive. You see, because as we said last week, we are spirit and we are flesh. And there is an eternal awareness inside of us that longs for interaction with our God. And when a church shuts that down for people, they'll go find it somewhere else. So we see that in our culture today. We're a nation of great spiritual activity. Uh, the church uh, is moving more and more toward this, this religion without relationship, or maybe has been, maybe we're coming out of it a little bit. And the occult is growing in our culture. Yet with the increase in wickedness, the darker the culture, the greater the sensitivity to the light. Can I get an Amen. You turn to, if you want to, turn to Deuteronomy 18. Now, it's going to be a little bit before we get there. Uh, after a while, you're going to say, gee, are we ever going to read Deuteronomy 18? Trust me, just hang there for a minute and, and, and we will get there. This week, I want to focus on exposing exactly what the occult is and what role it's playing in deceiving our culture. Next week, we'll probably do a little bit more defined things, uh, explaining uh, some other areas. But this week, I just want to kind of expose the occult for what it is. And this is, let me just tell you, I, I'm going to have a hard time getting this done today in time 
because there's just so much information. Uh, the reality of it is, is this is just scratching the surface, okay? This is, this is enough for you to get some awareness, some knowledge. You say, why is it important? Because the days are evil, folks, that we live in, and we have to make the most out of every opportunity, and that's going to require us to live carefully. And in order to live carefully, we've got to have wisdom, godly wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? God's wisdom comes from the Word of God, and we're going to look at it in light of that. Now, really, the first place that we would look to see this mentality of, of where witchcraft and in the occult begins, it, it really starts with Cain. And you say, ah, that's, that's not true. Cain came and worshipped God, and he brought something that wasn't acceptable to God. Exactly. What happened was is that God had established in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, blood sacrifice, covered them with the animal skins, and then Cain came, Abel came and brought a worthy sacrifice of, of blood like he was supposed to, and Cain didn't bring that. He brought his own gift. He didn't want to do what God said. He wanted to do his own thing, and God told him this in Genesis 4-7, If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. You say, what does that have to do with Basically, what God's saying is, if, if you will worship me and obey the standards I have set for relationship, you will be accepted. But if you refuse, it will lead to deep bondage. So you must master your desire for rebellion and doing things in your own way before it masters you. Isn't that the mentality of all of us? you got to get some stuff under control, man. Because if you don't get that under control, it's going to lead into greater rebellion and greater bondage. How many of us know that, when, that God has got certain standards of holy living that we have to live by, and when we choose not to live by that way and try to go another avenue around that, we're going to run into bondage. And that's exactly what Cain did. He said, look, I'm going to do this my own way. Yeah, I want to have some relationship with you, but I don't like the standards you've set. I want spiritual activity. I want relationship, but I don't want to do it the way you said. And God says, it's not going to happen that way. He said, fine, I'll, I'll go another route. If we look further into Genesis and we see Nimrod and his descendants building the Tower of Babel, I know we've talked about this before, but just a quick review. Building the Tower of Babel, probably high enough that they thought they could get above the waterline so that God wouldn't flood the earth again. At the top of those towers were built idols and idol worship, and they believed to be the beginning of the stargazing as they got closer to the heavens. They, be, they began to get more interested in the stars and so on and so forth. And, and it's in Babylon, in Babel, where we see the first organization of worship and religion apart from serving God. It's the first organized rebellion, so much to say the occult. In other words, we want to have relationship with a God, but we don't want to do it your way. So that's what they're doing. And then we connect Babel with Babylon, which Babylon is a representation of the world system that we live in. And we know that in the last days, Babylon's going to fall. And in Revelation 21, he says, by your magic spell, all the nations were led astray. Babylon in itself, its magic spell, not just its, 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 uh, the way that it's enticed us, but its very nature, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Rebellion against God. So, so the occult is not anything new to our lives, but it is alive and it is real in our society, in our community. <laughs> it's fueled by rebellion toward God. It feeds on a person's desire for control and for spiritual things apart from submission and obedience to God's word. People don't want holiness, church. 
They want some kind of faith. They want some kind of a power. They want some kind of religion without God's standards. In, 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 our, in our culture, it's confused because our government has accepted witchcraft as a religion. Today, Wiccan organizations can file a 501c3 or become a 501c3 organization, a nonprofit organization that falls under the heading of religion and get all of the benefits that the church gets. And so our children and our families are growing up today common, thinking, ah, witchcraft, yeah, it's just a religion. It's just another religion. The occult's just another religion. Listen, church, we're becoming desensitized in our culture toward the truth of the occult. It's systematically and purposefully being embedded into the minds of you and I and our children because we do not guard what we are putting into our bodies, our minds, and our ears and eyes. We are not being cautious. You see, the 501c3 organization thing is, is a big deal. Do you know, uh, I was talking with Mr. Boo, he's now our superintendent of our schools, but it's been several years back, we were talking, just having a conversation, and he was talking with me, he said, you know, Bob, he said, legally, if we let you guys into the school to come and speak to the kids from a religious standpoint, there's not anything that would stop us from having to let a Wiccan come in if they wanted to come in and start speaking in our schools. And people get all upset about the separation of church and state and they're pushing religion out of the schools. Listen, in some sense, it's a good thing. <laughs> Especially when you start accepting witchcraft as a religion. Amen. When you start accepting all the nonsense that we have as considered religions in our, in our nation today, to me, I'm okay with our children not being forced into being taught this stuff. Amen. Even though, even though uh, media material and things underhandedly can do it in books and so on and so forth as well. Listen, my, I'm not bashing our teachers at all. I love our teachers. They're doing a great job. Our teachers in our schools are doing a tremendous job. There is, however, a purposeful onslaught by the occult who wants to be called a religion and yet work its way into our education systems saying we're not a religion. And a different standard for uh, their books and their influences than what is held for Christian books and influences. Does that make any sense? Yeah, we'll get to it here in a little bit. Maybe it'll make sense by the time we're done. The reason is, is it's purposeful, it's destructive, and it's wanting to deceive. The most prominent and most widely accepted areas of the occult is witchcraft. Also known sorcery, the attempt to exercise supernatural powers by means of magic rituals or techniques, incantations, spells, drugs, potions, curses, charms, etc., Magic is another one, efforts to exercise supernatural powers or to appeal to spirit beings other than God to produce some event considered unattainable by natural means. What they're saying is, is, is we want to get supernatural results. We want to see supernatural things happen, but we want to go about it by a different avenue other than coming to God who is supernatural, who is all-powerful like we just sang about. Amen? So they want to see things happen. But these involve... Uh, they, they, they appeal to supernatural powers. And when you're dealing with Wiccans and pagans and Satanists and all these different people, they are appealing to different spirits, they think. And they all have different opinion, opinions to who they're uh, speaking to. For example, some will appeal to pagan or heathen deities. Mythological gods, for example. When you were reading in the book of Acts this last week, you were looking and you were reading the book of Acts. There was uh, the point where, where Paul's saying, look, this is, you have uh, over here an idol to the unknown God. And I want to introduce to you who that known God is. I want you to know Him. And they listen. And at the end of that passage, 
there were two individuals that were named. One of them was, um, one of them was Dionysius. And Dionysius was named after a mythological god named Dionysus, which is a god that uh, helps produce the, the, the vines, the grapevines, a god over the, the, the vine and produce and all this stuff. This man was named after a mythological god, but was converted. And the other one was, I don't remember her name, if it was like Demos or something like that. She is actually named after a Celtic god, which is a fertility god, and she was saved out of that. You see, these people today, folks, are still appealing to these gods. I know this for a fact. There, there, for example, there's a, a group out there that is a music group on pagan radio, basically. They actually have radio stations. If you want to search that, you can find it, pagan radio stations. A band called Dionysus, named after this mythological god. There's, there is a worship of these gods in our pagan world. They believe they're worshiping these gods. Some, some think that they're worshiping or speaking to, I guess, calling upon spirits of a dead person, a ghost or somebody. Others, others willfully and know that they are calling on Satan and demons. They attempt to contact demonic forces. These, this is the mindset of the occult today. There are different levels. There are people that don't know who they're talking to. There are some people that are absolutely oblivious. We don't care where the power is coming from. We just know we're getting it. And I don't care who I'm, if it's good, evil, bad, a spirit, a good spirit, a bad spirit, a demon spirit, or whatever it is, if it's some kind of mythological God. I don't care. This is the mentality of the occult in our culture today. The occult includes these supernatural powers I just mentioned, whether done for helpful or harmful goals. Witches may be men or women, pretty or ugly. Okay? You can have a good-looking witch. You can. Boy, that's a good-looking witch over there, ain't you? And you know that a warlock, a man, could be somebody from any walk of life. Any walk of life. Pastor Sam, could you go out there and check? He's walking around our church. Thank you. Um, it's nothing big. Just focus on me for a second. Uh, witches can be women of all shapes and sizes. They don't have to be green with that crooked nose and that wart. You know what I'm talking about? They don't have to be like that. These are people in our society, folks. These are people that, that are in business and in, in, in different aspects of our lives, doctors, lawyers, and, and things, okay? They, they are involved in this stuff. I know this because years and years ago, my, my wife, who teaches, ran into kids that, that came from Wiccan families and saying, yeah, yeah, our families were Wiccan and started explaining all this stuff. It doesn't have to be that way. But there's, there's this distinction between them. Even in, in, in the Wiccan culture and witchcraft, there's still a distinction between white magic and dark magic. Black magic. White magic is purposeful in the sense of saying that we work these spells and incantations to work good, like to bring rain on our crops or to bring a good crop in or to, to bring good health into our lives and all this kind of stuff. Black magic, for them, a lot of the Wiccans even say, I don't do black magic, that's bad. The purpose of it is to bring harm, to, to make curses upon people or trouble, so on and so forth, and all these different things, and, and they do that. So, so there's this distinction between the two, so that even inside the community, it even is posing itself as an angel of light and saying, this is white magic, it's good magic. You say, you're crazy, Pastor, what are you talking about? Haven't you ever seen the Wizard of Oz before? <laughs> Who's the wicked witch of the... And then the... Who, what was the name of the good witch? Glinda. See, we all know it. We've all been programmed. And witchcraft's okay as long as you're not the wicked witch. 
Right? It's okay because Glinda brings good things. Glinda comes in and comes in this little globe that was really bad special effects of now, but for the time it was good. Comes in and, and, and gets the ruby slippers to help, of course. You know, listen folks, I'm going to offend people today, but you cannot watch Disney. I challenge you to find one Disney film, one. There may be one, maybe Nemo. I don't know. Maybe. Where there's not an example of white magic and black magic. Amen. You say, try, okay, Cinderella. Oh, pfft, that didn't work. <laughs> what about the sword and the stone? What about the black cauldron? What about Fantasia? What about all this stuff? It's just our, our culture is packed full of this conflict between white magic and dark magic. I challenge you, I know you say, Pastor, that's just, that's, that's just Disney, Pastor. That's just, that's crazy. You're just being hard. That's all make-believe. I better move on. We'll come back to it. Bed knobs and broomsticks. Mary Poppins. Well, pastor, she doesn't ever say anything about magic. Well, she floats through the air and she makes the medicine change colors. Just a spoonful of sugar, the medicine go down. Where's her source of power? I don't know where it's coming from. I know. It's impossible for Mary Poppins to be doing magic because Dick Van Dyke's in that movie and he came from Danville. <laughs> and he's a good guy. I love Dick Van Dyke. I enjoy watching his shows. But the reality of it is, is we see a culture... A culture that is being desensitized by the idea of the occult. Adult entertainment seems to take a more serious approach. Uh, I saw a few years ago a show called A Haunting, and they went into this house, and it was supposedly haunted, and this woman came in with salt water and just kind of flipped it around and said, okay, it's clean. I thought, that's all it takes is salt water? Wow, Jesus didn't know that. Jesus didn't use salt water. <clears throat> You know, I'm, it, it confirms my theory, though. There are no demons in Florida because it's surrounded with salt water. And anyway, <laughs> shows like The Sixth Sense, Medium, Ghost Hunters, and, and so many that are so crazy, you can't even name them all. But um, I, as I was preparing for this, there was a study done last year by the Ohio State Religious Studies Department observed the increase of occult-themed programs on television. They asked the presenter if she thought that the influx of occult-themed entertainment is a result of the mainstreaming of metaphysical studies or if the fact that magic and mysticism being a plot point in television and movies has in fact led to making the occult more palatable for the masses. Her answer was, this professional said this, that it was that it was most likely a combination of the two. As people see the supernatural as more acceptable in entertainment, they consequently view it as something less threatening. Once it becomes less threatening, it can become entertainment. Once we get a point to where the occult is not threatening, it becomes entertainment. Now, who is it that's threatened by the occult? Should be the church people, shouldn't it? Shouldn't it be us? Shouldn't it be us that's threatened by it? Shouldn't it be us that when we see it go, oh, I don't want no part of that and shut it off? Shouldn't it be us that should be disgusted by it? But instead, we're the ones that we rationalize it and say it's okay. And go ahead and go for it. Yeah, it's not a big deal. Read that book. Watch that movie. 
It's not a big deal. You know that I've offended more people with this topic than with anything else I've ever preached? You say, how can you offend people with this topic, Pastor? Well, how is it even offensive? Okay, did you know that vampires were birthed out of the occult? It's not looking a little bit like Twilight out, isn't it? Right now, people are offended because I've watched it and I'm not a vampire and I'm not turning to the occult, Pastor Bob. I'm just not, listen, I didn't say you were. I'm talking about the desensitization of our children. You say, how is it? How can you say vampires? It's just a fantasy. It's make-believe. It's not even real. Is it? Did you know that witchcraft connected with witchcraft is the fact that, that they have always desired and connected the, this, these two things, that people would be turned into animals and animals turned into people? Always. You tell me a vampire... On vampire movies, do they turn into werewolves or bats or anything like that? What about this one? This is, this is an even greater issue. The desire to drink blood is a direct opposition and rebellion against God. Don't believe me? It's on the screen. Leviticus 17.10 Any Israelite or any alien living among them who eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood and will cut him off from his people. For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to, be, to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Therefore I say to the Israelites, none of you may eat blood nor any, may an alien living among you eat blood. You say, Pastor Bob, it's all make-believe, it's fantasy. Why do you think these people are eating blood? It's a direct rebellion against God. You're going to see it here in a few minutes. I'll show you on the screen. But the reality of it is this. The reality of it is this. Moms and dads in the world unite. Okay, listen to me quickly. Do you think it's all fantasy and make-believe? Do some searches on these Twilight sites. Do some searches, and they will give you direct links of hookup sites where you can go and have somebody drink your blood. And you can go and you can drink somebody else's blood. Did you know that dentists today are getting requests all over the place to make fangs for people so they can go to these parties, act like vampires, wear fangs, and then drink each other's blood? They don't bite and drink. They, they, they cut each other's skin and bleed and drink it and lick it off each other's skin. I know it's all make-believe, mom and dad. I know it's, there's nothing to it. I know it is. I know, it's, I know it's just a love story. I know. But do you see the occult intermingled, intertwined in it? And we watch the movies, and we get the books, and we watch them over and over and over, and we bring our small children in and say, it's make-believe, watch it. And all the time, they're desensitized to the reality of the occult. You say, oh, pastor, you're just going crazy. You're nuts. You're offending me. I'm about ready to walk out of this service because you don't know what you're talking about. You know what? I can preach on uh, drug addiction. Nobody gets mad. I can preach on prostitution, pornography, sexual immorality. Nobody gets mad. You bring up vampires, people get furious. Why is that? Why is it? Because the occult is so intertwined in our lives that we defend it. We've gotten to the point where we defend it. And when you get to the point where you defend something, you love something. Oh, pastor. Okay, I'll say one more thing about vampires. And then I'll get done offending you and we'll move on. One more thing about vampires. You watch any vampire shows? I'm sure you have, many of you. Has there ever been one vampire show that didn't have any kind of sensuality when they were biting the other person? Did not have. Did it ever not have sensuality when there was biting of the other individual? They usually bite someone of the opposite sex, True. And it's usually very sensual. So the, what the process is, is it's very sensual, very sexually immoral, biting, bleeding together. Okay, what does that sound like to you? Sounds like the worship of the fertility gods to me in the Old Testament. 
cutting their skin, laying together on the altars of the fertility gods, and being sexually immoral in the process. And we're showing it to our children. Isn't it a good day to have pastor appreciation? <laughs> Norma still loves me, don't you, hon? She's listening online. Love you, Norma. She told me I had to give her a heads up occasionally on these recordings because she can't be here for a while. Let's move to the PowerPoint, shall we? Travis knows the PowerPoint. It's all fun and games, folks. There's nothing real to it. Um, what you're going to see here in a second as the computer catches up is symbols. Uh, symbols that are commonly associated with witchcraft. Now, I couldn't go through and show you all the symbols because it, it's, it, you're talking witchcraft theology books, all right? And what I will not do is teach you how to be a witch, okay? But I will give you just a few symbols to look at. Now, there's going to be some obvious ones. Hey, where's the uh, PowerPoint? Just being slow. Well, Travis, could you make it, make it go quicker because I'm tired of waiting on it. <laughs> The first one that you're going to see here in a minute is called a pentagram. Has anybody ever seen a pentagram before? Basically, what the pentagram is... <laughs> hey, hey, could you just shut down that program by itself and restart it? That'll probably fix it. It'll just take a few seconds. Well, I'll talk through that. The pentagram is, is a star that is either inverted upside down star or it can be right side up star with a circle around it. That is an international symbol that, that's connected with witchcraft and Satanism. Now, the witchcraft star usually is, is, is upright. Paganism is upright. There's a, a gentleman I know in Danville that drives around a car that's very proud of his pentagram on the side of it and it says he's proud to be pagan. But anyway, uh, there, this... This symbol, when you see it, is very clearly witchcraft-oriented. Now, there is also the Church of Satan also uses the pentagram. But with Satanism, the pentagram is always inverted upside down. Now, go ahead and change, Travis. This would be the satanic pentagram. If you look there in the middle, you see the goat's head with the two horns. And you see these emblems around there that mean stuff that we're not going to go into. Uh, and the witchcraft symbol, each of those points means something too. But... On this one, you see the goat's head. You say, now why is it a goat's head, Pastor Bob? You remember the scripture where it talks about uh, Jesus gathering all of them together at the end of the age and he'll separate the sheep from the... These people are proud to be goats. They want to be goats, okay? They are the goats they, and they're proud of that. Go ahead and go to the next one. And the, the heartogram, which is very accepted right now. Any young people ever seen this before? Has anybody... Raise your hand if you've seen this before. Look at the age around you, Okay? This right now is very popular. You will see people with tattoos of this on their body because it's connected with, again, once it's no longer threatening, it becomes entertainment. It's not scary. It's not real. So now this band took this and they changed the heart. And I know there's arguments. Some people say somebody else did it and other people say it was the Finnish band that did it. But they changed this heart. They turned it into a heart. It looks cute. It's love. Wouldn't you just love to love Satan? So that's what they have. These are all symbols of witchcraft. Go ahead and go to the next slide. These also... Um, are, are bands and, and people that are connected with this. The upper right hand one, Anthrax, uh, they took the point and made an A there. And if you look at the bottom of their album, it says worship music. I don't think their music is anything we play in church on Sundays. Dio right there, it's very, it's very light, but there is a pentagram at the bottom just under his version of Satan over the top of it. Uh, that, that pentagram symbol right there, Dio is, is a man that uh, was, is known for his, his rock 
uh, legacy with Black Sabbath and on his own. And he sang a song called Heaven and Hell. And in the song, he says this. He says, a big, shap, a big black shape looked up at me. And he, said, uh, and he says, I know who you ought to be. Come with me. I'll show you desire. But first you have to burn in fire. That's what Dio's singing in front of a congregation of, of literally thousands of young people. It goes to the next ver- verse of it. And a light comes down on him in the stage. And he says, and a little white lamb looked down at me. And he says, I know who you ought to be. Come with me because I know just what to do. And he said, I said, go away. I want to burn in hell with you and you, and you, and you. And the crowd erupts full of young people shaking their fists. Thousands. He died of cancer two years ago. As he laid on his hospital bed, there's a picture of him taken like this, making the sign of Satan. Motley Crue, of course, Slayer Venom. We won't go into all those. This, when you see this, that's obviously occult-driven, Satan-driven, okay? Go to the next slide. These are some signs also connected with witchcraft, uh, the triple goddess. Uh, you see the, this, just different shapes of what they would use the triple moon symbol. There's meanings about that, fertility and all this other kind of stuff I won't go into. But those are some symbols. Go to the next slide. We need to move on. Oh, my goodness. How'd that get in there? It's Harry Potter. Just happy little Harry Potter on the screen with a the, with the lightning bolt on his head. Did anybody ever know the lightning bolt? Did you ever see the lightning bolt before? Huh? The lightning bolt. You see it over his right eye? Harry was born, I've never read the books, but I, some of you that have, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think he was born with that like a birthmark, which made him out to be like the chosen one type of thing. So, so he's got this birthmark that's a lightning bolt on his head. No? What was it? When the evil spirit attacked his parents, his parents covered him, so it was the idea of unconditional love. In that so the lightning bolt is an idea of unconditional love. Thank you, that's even making this even more powerful. The lightning bolt is a symbol of unconditional love because his parents protected him from the dark magic and so that he would become an author of the white magic. See it playing out before our very eyes? Let's see who else uses the lightning bolt. Oh, okay, Kiss, ACDC, and Lady Gaga. This is all stuff that we want our children to become, right, folks? This is, this is a symbol of, of light magic and, and good stuff. Let's go to the next screen. Who else? Oh, Marilyn Manson, yes. Uh, Marilyn Manson, you see the lightning bolt there and his little personal symbol that he uses for himself? And it's not only the lightning bolt, but it's even got a little devil tail on it. Isn't that special? Marilyn Manson, folks, is from Indiana. And he was, he was in Fort Wayne, Indiana and attended a youth ministry there before he, Assembly of God youth ministry, by the way, before he got rebellious and completely turned away from God. And today is the largest advocate to our young people for the satanic church. And I even put just for, for kicks him mocking Jesus right there in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen. Isn't it lightning bolt? Isn't that what we want for all of our children? Let's go to the next slide. Anybody know this guy? We're so desensitized. Go back to the Harry Potter thing. Look how happy he is. We just went past the other stuff. And we say, gee, Pastor, it's just, it's just fun and games. What it is, is, is we're introducing our children at a very young age to the occult, and our children are growing up with it and are very comfortable. And churches begin to get religious. They don't have relationship. The power of God seems weak. And when the power of God seems weak, they turn and run to this other stuff. You don't believe me? I've had them in my office. I've had them in my office, folks. More than one. Well, I prayed and God didn't fix it, so I went back to the spells and the incantations. They worked better. I've had it. It's real. 
And our children are exposed to it at a young age. And then by the time they're middle of the middle teens or whatever else, then suddenly it starts to make sense. And wow, you know what? There is some power in this. I'm going to pursue the other avenue because I don't want to live holy. Deuteronomy chapter 18. What does the Bible teach about all of this stuff? Oh, Lord, help me. If I go a little bit over today, are we going to still love me and, and come tonight and eat? You don't even have to bring me gifts. Just Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 through 15 says, When you enter the land the Lord your God has given you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Do not learn to imitate. I'm just going to stop there for a second. Can I stop there for a second? Do not learn to imitate. That is a command from whom? God. Do not learn to imitate. And yet when my children are growing up, I was forced, I was pushed, I was yelled at, I was called names because we didn't watch all the Disney movies with all the magic in it. I was told that my children are going to be weird. I was told that my daughter Alyssa would grow up to be strange. She would not be able to associate with our culture. She would not be able to associate with people. She would be socially odd and awkward because we didn't watch Disney movies. Is she socially odd and awkward, folks? Most amazing teenager I've ever met, and I'm not even biased on that. I'm telling you the truth. I've seen a lot of them. I've seen a lot of them. Why? Because, and I don't mean to put her out there like that. I know that's embarrassing for her, but I don't really care. <laughs> Pastor, how in the world can, can a young person impact their culture if they don't know the culture, if they don't live in the culture? Listen, we live in the culture, but we're not a part of the culture. Amen. And is she impacting the school? Yes. 100% yes. I'm getting sick and tired of people trying to force and tell us that we've got to imitate what is, what's being driven out by God. Why do we have to imitate it? Why do we have to follow it? Why do we have to know about it? Why do we have to pursue it? The only reason we need to know about it, the only reason we need to be wise of it, like we're doing here today, in light of the Word of God, so that we will have wisdom, we will have live carefully, so that we can make the most of every opportunity because we know the days are evil. That's why. You say, Pastor, are my kids watching? I'm not saying your kids are going to hell. I'm defending for these parents that are trying to do the right thing and get pressed by Christian people that it's all okay. And when they take a stand, they have to fight against it and get tired of it, exhausted of it. Listen, they turn out okay. They don't have to be raised by Disney. Amen. They don't have to. Oh, I'm just going to keep on preaching. Amen. They don't have to be set in front of a television on Disney Channel and be raised by it. Because all it does is it progresses. It goes, from, it goes from Fantasia to Wizards of Waverly Place. And it just continues on and on and on and on and on with the occult until we're covered by Harry Potter stuff. And it progresses. And the writer of it says, I'm really proud that when I wrote these books, I used real incantations. She's a practicing Wiccan people. And we say, oh, it's not a big deal. I thought I was just teaching and not preaching. Verse 10, let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire. Thank God we're not doing that until Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, while we, while we get dressed up and go get candy, uh, the, the, the witches in the satanic church have children that they've raised up and, and as soon as they get these girls get to an age to where they can have a child, they're either impregnated by their father or another man in the coven or whatever in the, the satanic church and privately kept pregnant for months until they can give birth to that baby so that they can sacrifice it on Halloween. 
Happens every year, all over the place. And they say, well, how's come, how's come nobody knows? Because the child's never left the building. Nobody even knew they were pregnant. They didn't go to a hospital. They give birth there so that the child could be used for a sacrifice. Oh, pastor, now we can't do Halloween. I'm not telling you that. Come to light the night. That's the purpose of it. Light it up, folks. Show a place of hope and love and acceptance. And I'm not saying just because you go get candy that your kid's going to hell either. I'm not saying that. We've done it. I turned out pretty normal. <laughs> Let no one be found among you sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or who is a medium or a spiritist or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. And because of these detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you will dispossess, listen to those who practice sorcery or divination. But as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. What did he just say there? He said, don't pursue after the things of the occult. Don't do divination. Don't pursue after uh, you know, false prophecy. Don't pursue all these other avenues. God says, trust me, I'll give you a prophet. Somebody that hears from me. You want to know truth. Listen to me. Listen to God. Don't pursue all these other avenues. Don't pursue all these others that are trying to talk to spirits and deceiving spirits and lying spirits. Listen to me. And this is backed up in Scripture. I'm going to read through a bunch of these. If you just want to write them down and reference them and go back to them, you can. Um, all these things that were mentioned are forbidden specifically by God very clearly. Leviticus 19.31 do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists, for you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. So, so when we seek them out, when we pursue that type of quote-unquote entertainment, it, you, you may say, well, I'm, I'm saved, I'm, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm 40 years old, I, it's not really going to affect me and change my view of Christ. That may be true, but those little ones around you are being formed by what you've invited into your home. Okay? So you've got to be cautious about that. Leviticus 19.31 says that. Leviticus 26 says, I will set my face against the person who turns to mediums and spiritists to prostitute himself by following them, and I will cut him off from his people. Leviticus 20.27, 20, a man or a woman who is a medium or a spiritist, in the King James, it says, has a familiar spirit, among you must be put to death. You are to stone them. Their blood will be on their own heads. We're not saying kill people, okay? Don't start hunting Wiccans. All right, don't do that. But what it is saying is that God's very serious about this witchcraft in his community. Revelation 21.8, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. You know, uh, mom and dad, again, I don't mean to keep hitting you over the head with it, but you wouldn't sit your kids down in front of an X-rated movie. You wouldn't set your little children down in front of a horrible murder flick. Right? One of you? You wouldn't sit down and put your kids or your grandkids in front of that stuff. You wouldn't tell your children to sit down and to be idolaters and, and to worship things or to be liars, but we have no concern about the magic arts in their entertainment. I know, don't bring me a card tonight, that's fine. Verse 15 of 22, Revelation. Outside of the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. You say, why'd you read those? Because those people are outside of the kingdom. Okay, those are people that, that have a place in the lake of burning sulfur. 
I'm not saying that to condemn. I would love a Wiccan if they came in here and tried to lead them to Jesus Christ. I have no fear of a Wiccan or even a Satanist. I have no fear of that. But the reality of it is, folks, is that if we are feeding our children, listen, we will sit through hours and hours and hours and hours of this smut and then come to church and complain because pastor has gone a little over 12. There's a problem there. When somebody's preaching the words of life and speaking truth and teaching and preaching truth to us and, and, and we're more concerned about, about my frustration of how long this is taking and we can sit in a movie theater for three hours and watch the slop and not be harmed by it, not complain. Eat, eat our popcorn and drink our pop. Eat our, eat our uh, uh, jawbreakers and be happy. Maybe we need to get popcorn pop and jawbreakers at church. I don't know. I really do love you, folks. I do. This isn't just me being mean. I'm, I'm telling you truth today because I love you. You know that, don't you? You know I love you? Maybe we should get warm and fuzzy all of a sudden. Just warm and fuzzy. Isaiah 8, 19, 20 says, says, When men tell you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam around through the land. When, when they are famished, they will come, become enraged and looking upward will curse their king and their God. Then they will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom and they will be thrust into utter darkness. Now this definition, this speaking of Isaiah, it reminds me in Revelation where the people would not give up their witchcraft and their adulteries. We see that in the word of God. It says they refuse, even after all the plagues, all the opportunities for them to respond to God. They refused to give it up and they ran into the, the caves and they said, hide us from God. Hide us from the face of God. Instead of repenting, they retreated. Crush us. There is no life. There is no hope. Should not a people require, inquire of their God? Galatians 5, 19-21. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality. Sure, check. No problem. Impurity and debauchery. Yeah, sure. Check. No problem. Idolatry. Sure, check. No problem. Witchcraft. Yeah, sure. Check. No problem. What? Hatred. Discord. Jealousy. Fits of rage. Selfish ambition. Dissensions. Factions. And envy. Drunkenness. Orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So why are we indoctrinating our children with it? I need to move on. You want some good words? You want something encouraging before you leave? Good. Here's a good one. Exodus. Our God is powerful, folks. I don't care how much of the occult is around me. I don't care how dark it is. My God is light. Amen? And there ain't nothing that the enemy can do to stop my God. He cannot stop you. He cannot shut you down. He may try to press you. may bother you. We'll talk about that next week. But he has no power or authority over you. You get this stuff out of your house. You get it out of your life, your kids' lives. And God is going to through, flow through you like a powerful vessel, man. I'm telling you. Let's look at this. Exodus 7. We see this example here. In 11 and 12, Pharaoh then summoned the wise men and sorcerers and the Egyptian magicians all did the same things by their secret arts. Each one threw down his staff and it became a snake, but Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Amen? There may be some power in the demonic. There may be some power in this, the, you know, pursuing spiritual things outside of God. There may be some deceptive and lies and things there. We've got to have wisdom to know and to recognize, but God is more powerful. Exodus 7, 20 through 22. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded. Isn't that always a good thing to do, just as the Lord commanded? 
He raised his staff in the presence of Pharaoh and his officials and struck the water of the Nile and all the water was changed to blood. The fish in the Nile died and the river smelled so bad that the Egyptians could not drink its water. Blood was everywhere in Egypt, but the Egyptian magicians did the same things by their secret arts and Pharaoh's heart became hard. He would not listen to Moses and Aaron just as the Lord had said. Now let me think about this for a second. If all the water in Egypt turned to blood, what water did they turn to blood? Oh, look, we did it too. <laughs> Whoa. Not to mention, gee, if you're an Egyptian, hey, thanks, magicians. Now we have more blood to drink. Thanks for doubling up, the, you know, even if it is real. Exodus 8, 6 and 7. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land. But the magicians did the same things by their secret arts. They also made frogs come up on the land. Did you know what? When you get yourself involved in the occult, it doubles up the curses on you. You say, what do you mean? Because, because God said, I'll send you frogs. And they said, we can do that too. Look, now there's twice as many frogs. What a blessing it was. The power of God, we start to see, he begins to do a different work. Exodus eight sixteen. then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the ground. Throughout the land of Egypt, the dust will become gnats. They did this, and when Aaron stretched out his hand with the staff and struck the dust of the ground, gnats came up on men. There was one of them in my car yesterday, driving me crazy. All the dust throughout the land of Egypt became gnats. But when the magicians tried to produce gnats by their secret arts, they could not. And the gnats were on men and animals. And the magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. We can't do this. There's a line for us. We may be deceptive, but when, when you start messing with God, you mess with something. This, we can't do this. We're done. Exodus 9 10 11, so they took soot from a furnace and stood before Pharaoh. Moses tossed it into the air and festered boils broke out on men and animals. The magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils that were on them and on all the Egyptians. Listen, the occult has no power over you, has no power over God. They, they, they voice big things, they suggest big things. And like I told them in the first service, you remember the old saying, I am rubber, you are glue, whatever you throw at me sticks back on you. Go ahead and try to curse me. You can't do it. I don't care. You can say all your little things you want to and your little curses and your little seances and your little chants. Oh, you're going to be fat and ugly. Oh, wait, that one worked. <laughs> no, I mean, they can put any... I had to lighten it up, folks. You're going to... This is really scary today. You're going to lose all your hair. Oh, good one. Yeah, too late. You know, they can't curse us. Curse this and curse that. And pastor, I'm afraid of curses. Daniel 1.20, we see in all matters of wisdom and understanding, the king found Daniel and his friends ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers. Why would you pursue it? I know, I'm hurrying. In Daniel 2, and, and, and uh, two all through there, we see where none of the magicians in Babylon could tell the king his dream and interpret it. But by the power of God, Daniel could both state and interpret the dream accurately. Later, he likewise interpreted the handwriting on the wall that predicted the downfall of Belshazzar. Acts 8, 9 through 13, Simon the sorcerer, and we could go on and on and on about Elymas and so on and so forth. There's so much in there where we see the enemy trying to use the occult to intimidate and try to work his magic, try to work his thing, to try to pursue uh, the, the false religion that it is. And they're evangelizing through our entertainment. If Amber would come. I'm just going to have to skip some of this stuff because there's no way. We just need to stop for today. 
Maybe I'll hit on some of that next week. But My conclusion is this today. We're just going to stop because I can already sense the room. It's already been too much for us all. But when you start talking about the other areas, which we're going to cover some more next week, we'll talk about possession, we'll talk about um, communicating with spirits and so on and so forth, all this stuff that's so heavy in our culture right now, uh, and just get a true biblical view of all of it. If you leave here today with anything, leave here with this. Live carefully. Why? Because, because we need to live wise and not unwise. And when we're not living carefully, we're living unwise. Okay? I want you to recognize the occult. I want you to begin to discern what it is that you're watching. And I challenge you, if, if there's something in that book you're reading, that movie you're watching, the site you're viewing on the internet, whatever it may be, if there's something there that's got this nonsense in it, you need to get it out of your house ASAP. I'm not telling you to throw the television out. I'm telling you to guard yourself and to carefully live before your, your spouse, your children, your family, and the community. Because we have to make the most of every opportunity. Do you know that our children's greatest opportunities are in those early formable years? They really are. The first four years of their lives, vital. And that was the years, you know, and plus a few years after that, we got conflict. Well, why aren't you letting Lissy watch this? Or let, because she's, she's not going to be indoctrinated with that nonsense. And I stand here today and tell you she's perfectly normal for the most part. <laughs> and God's doing a work in her life, and I'm grateful for that. And I say Alyssa because, because Kevin, we got later. He, we, our eyes weren't open to this when he was little. And, and we fed him a lot of stuff that we shouldn't have. I wish my eyes would have been open sooner, but they just weren't. But today, we have to live wise and we have to be aware because we need to make the most of every opportunity. Mom and dad, don't just throw those little ones in front of Disney to babysit and to teach and indoctrinate at an early age. You don't need that. You don't need it. Colossians 2 says this in verses 8 and 10, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ who is the head over every power and authority. Stand with me, if you will, this morning. You have been given fullness in Christ today. You don't need anything else. There's no need to defend or argue entertainment. You don't need it. You have fullness in Christ. Do you hear me? Your fullness is in Christ. You don't need the other stuff. I know it's hard. I know it's hard when you get a routine. There's something you like. Something you... Listen, your fullness is in Christ. Okay? And that fullness comes from the one who has power over everything. He is more powerful than anything, any influence, any, any fear, anything that you have in your life. And we're going to talk about some of that stuff next week. But for today, for today, we leave with some wisdom from the Word. Next week, I guess we'll have to cover a little bit of divination. We'll have to cover a little bit of some of this other stuff because we just didn't get, didn't get through all of it. But... But uh, is this okay? You guys good? Do you feel like you've been stretched a little bit? Challenged? Who's, who feels challenged? A few of you. Good. How many of you are leaving the church? <laughs> I hope so, because I'm not staying here all day. I'll be back at 6 o'clock tonight, though. <laughs> Father God, I just thank you for a group of people that love you.